Hi, and welcome back to All Time Greatness. I'm Paul. If you hear me in the background, like eating or drinking, it's because I am. I'm snacking on some goldfish and drinking something also. So if you ever hear me pause, or if you happen to notice me pause, just know that that's the reason why. But as you can tell, it's still me this week by myself. Anthony's still out for personal reasons, but he does want me to say, and this is a preview to this week. I'm just going to say it now to get it out the way. He believes in Will Levis and predicts the Titans to beat his Steelers tomorrow night on Thursday night football. <clears throat> Excuse me, but let's get into it. Let's talk football. Enough with the small chit chat. <clears throat> Excuse me. So last Thursday, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Buffalo Bills. And this was a must-win game for the Bills because they've been struggling lately. Like, yeah, they won a few games lately, but they've been struggling because they should have lost to my Giants and they lost to the Patriots. And then they were playing a Buccaneers team that's actually doing pretty decent right now. And the Bills actually almost lost this game too. Had I'll get into it a little more. The Bills won this game, but they still were like struggling to find their rhythm and you could tell them not having their def- their defense properly is really what's hurting them. Uh, excuse me. So <clears throat> the Bills, they still have a lot of work to do, but thankfully because they played last Thursday, they have a mini bye week now because they don't play until Sunday night against the Bengals in Cincinnati and that's gonna I'll talk about that game when I get to my predictions but the the Bills have a lot of things they need to work on and they still have plenty of time to do so seeing as how they had by the time they play again 10 days off or nine days off whatever it was but as far as Tampa Bay goes they look really good and honestly I didn't know how it was going to look with Baker and knowing how bad Baker's been in recent years I didn't think they had any type of shot but Baker honestly looks like he might make a chance to be their quarterback going forward in the upcoming seasons where after this season especially if they make the playoffs they might sign him to a long-term deal to be their quarterback they actually look really good and really promising and um aside from that their defense is stacked their offense is stacked but let's go to the end of the game so at the end of the game the bills scored but the buccaneers had enough time to try to get the winning score they had just no they had like 18 seconds but they had to go the length of the field So they got like a few, and they had no timeouts. So whatever plays they ran, they had to go out of bounds. I think they did like two short passes, got out of bounds, and then Baker Mayfield had to throw a Hail Mary. And they literally could have won because Baker threw an on-the-money Hail Mary because, you know, every time those Hail Marys happen, it's usually a toss-up, but it normally ends with somebody touching the ball. This time, nobody touched the ball on either side, But when you look at the replay, it was right there for Christopher Godwin to take. But he wasn't looking. He he was looking down. And by the time he looked up, the ball just hit the ground. But it could have went in his hands and they could have won. 
But all in all, I think this was a really good game. And both teams have a lot of time to fix the things that they need to clean up. And Dalton Kincaid also had himself a day. Um, The Bills did a great job at shutting down Mike Evans. And Stefan Diggs was kind of quiet also. Gabriel Davis actually went off. And then on top of that, when Tampa Bay scored, because Dawson Knox has been quiet, when Tampa Bay scored, they also got the two-point conversion, which gave them a chance to be in the game when everyone thought the game was over. But they still had a hard time scoring from here and there. But next game we're going to talk about is the the Patriots versus the Dolphins. So this was a divisional matchup. Patriots are coming off the divisional win against the Bills. So everyone thought maybe they actually have a shot. But you're playing the Dolphins, a team that is most likely going to make a far run into the playoffs this year. And shout out to Tyreek Hill also as he became the first receiver in NFL history to make it to 1,000 or more receiving yards in only eight games of the season. And he did it with only what, like 50-something catches or something like that in the Super Bowl era at least. The game started off back and forth and it kind of like stayed that way throughout the whole game. But then towards the end of the game, that's when Miami started to score. I mean, what what are you going to do? No, Nobody can stop Tyreek Hill. I don't even think Usain Bolt, if he were a football player, considering Usain Bolt is the fastest man alive and of all time, but Tyreek's the fastest man in football. I feel like even with Usain Bolt easily being able to keep keep up with Tyreek Hill due to speed, you still can't beat him because Tyreek is just that. Tyreek, in my opinion this year, has been the best receiver in the league if not one of the best. And I don't know who's going to stop him, but he's very well on pace to actually hit his 2,000-yard goal that he set out before the season started where he wanted to hit 2,000 receiving yards. And as of right now, he's on pace to do that. He needs to average, I think, somewhere between 100 and 123 yards every single game for these last nine games to get the record and... AJ Brown is also getting pretty close to that as well because he has 900 something yards himself but he's probably more closer to beat Calvin Johnson's record by like a yard. Tyreek is more likely to actually break it with 2000 as long as they both stay healthy. As long as everyone on the Dolphins stays healthy, they'll be just fine. The Patriots, I think they're done. Their season's over. They're just playing for or at least I think they should be playing for better draft positioning at this point. And I have a few Patriots fans who are telling me that that's what they want them to do. And they don't believe in Mac anymore. They want to just tank. I don't think the Patriots should do that. I think they should play hard, but I still think their season's over and they probably won't get more than like one, if not two more wins because everyone in their division is better than them. But now... We're going to talk about a game that, as a Giants fan, was really heartbreaking for me to watch as a Giants fan. So, for starters, this was a rivalry game because of the fact that both teams play in the same stadium and that emotion has always been there. And the Jets were coming off of their bye. 
we finally got John Michael Schmitz, our center back. He played. And last week in practice, Andrew Thomas was practicing, but he was limited. And so was Michael JMS. But I guess he was able to, like, actually, like, do stuff. But all in all, it was a really gritty game. It was a rainy game. So you know that passing it and just the conditions in general were going to be kind of hard. It was a great start for the team. Both teams struggled for the longest time to convert on third down and also a bunch of players on both sides of the ball got hurt because of the turf and that includes some players who came in as backups for a starter who got hurt also getting hurt themselves and then unfortunately this was a non-turf related injury but Tyrod Taylor got hurt as well because he took a hit and got hit in the ribs He's injury prone. That's what we signed. And not having Daniel Jones. And here's a crazy thing. I'll get more into it like afterwards when I'm talking about the deadline that happened yesterday. But the crazy thing is Jones was cleared for contact. But anyways, we had to play Tommy DeVito, a nobody that nobody has ever heard of. He was the emergency quarterback. And we ended up essentially just running the ball the entire rest of the game. Old school old-fashioned gritty way and it sucks because it looked more so like Brian Dable just didn't trust him to throw the ball we ran the ball total 51 times and with Saquon between like 37 and 40 times and he had 128 yards but the the amount of touches he had is a career high for him and he literally carried us and kept us in that game. Without him in this game or on this roster, we probably somehow end up standing no shot in that game, even with the rain. And our defense, we have to shout out our defense. A fun stat, our defense, the Giants defense, has actually been the number one ranked defense the past three weeks. And Kayvon Thibodeau is having himself a year, and now he's really looking like why the Giants drafted him because he has eight sacks in eight games and he's just two sacks away from becoming Don Wink Martindale's first ever defensive player to get double digit sacks with him as the coach. So that would be a great accomplishment for Wink to have under his record is that Kayvon is his first defensive player to get double digit sacks. And with nine games left, that's plenty of time for him to do it. And he probably will do it. He had three sacks in this game. Micah McFadden and Bobby Okereke, they're just coming alive. Bobby Okereke, it took him a few games. He started off slow. People were questioning the signing, but he just had to get his feet wet. And now he's playing like one of the best linebackers in football. So is Micah McFadden. It sucks that we didn't get a chance to win the game because a lot of stuff started happening towards the end. We had Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau, he he accidentally got, and I believe it was an encroachment, which gave them the first down in the fourth quarter when it was third and ten. Then, and this was the play that ultimately hurt us, at the end, Adoree Jackson got a deep pass interference call on 4th and 10 when Wilson, Zach Wilson just hucked it down the field, and it would have been incomplete, and then the game would have been over. But also before that, Saquon kind of threw the game because when the Giants had the ball, 
Saquon just assumed that the Giants were going to win. So he kind of just gave himself up and slid down before the first. But he actually easily would have gotten it. And at that point, the game would have been over. And I saw some people say they were at the game. And when it was one minute and 10 seconds left in the game, they started leaving the arena happy because they thought that we won. Only for us to end up not winning the game. But we had Tommy DeVito... We only had we the fact that we literally could have won that game with only seven passing yards because Tyrod Taylor completed a couple passes before he got hurt and then DeVito had to throw it a few times on third down after it was a dire situation and it was screens to Saquon and it was literally basically just us running the ball to where it looked like we were doing wildcat without actually doing wildcat. We could have thrown it a few times where they were expecting us to run. We could have probably got some deep passing plays in. And it sucks because Darren Waller also got hurt in this game. But, I mean, this was just a tough, gritty... And then on top of that, Graham Gano missed two kicks, but apparently he's playing hurt and needs surgery at the end of the year. But obviously, you don't have the time to invest in a kicker right now, so you just have to roll with what you know. So a role with what you have so unfortunately we lost this was a tough loss to swallow because the giants we easily could be four and four right now because if you look at how our schedule went got blown out at home by dallas beat the cardinals lost to the 49ers the dolphins and the bills but the bills game we should have won we beat the Commanders, and then we just lost to the Jets. So we literally could be 3-3 three and three in our last three games, and instead of being 2-6, and six, we could easily be 4-4. Four and four. And now we're going to go play a Raiders team that I'll get into what they did today. So it should be a lot. And people are calling me crazy, but I was looking at the Giants' schedule, and there's actually a chance, in my opinion, that we can somehow win every game that we have the remainder of the year. But hear me out. I think we beat the Raiders. I think we lose to the Cowboys, but it might be a closer game than people think because I think with the way our defense has been playing lately, we might actually be able to make it competitive, especially if we can get some takeaways because Dak is always throwing interceptions, it seems like. Then after that, we play the... We go to Washington and play the Commanders again, and considering we just beat them... And considering what they also did at the deadline yesterday, we probably will beat them again. And then we play the Patriots at home. Then we go on our bye week, come off the bye week, and play on Monday night football against the Packers. We could win that game because the Packers haven't looked good since the first two games of the season. Then we play the Saints. Then we play the Eagles on Christmas Day. And that game might even be a toss-up. I think we steal either the game against the Eagles on Christmas Day in Philadelphia at 4.30 or we steal the last game of the season at home versus the Eagles because the Eagles, while they're 7-1, and one, in my opinion, they're not the same team anymore because they have yet to blow a team out and all of their wins have been tough, gritty wins that literally came down to like the last possession their biggest lead in which they won a game was when they played the Dolphins, where they won by like two scores on Sunday night, like two weeks ago. But aside from that, they really have not looked that good. 
this year so i think we steal one and in between them we play the rams and that's a toss-up as well so i think the giants have a chance to really only lose like three more games this year and potentially somehow well i don't know if we'll make the playoffs but i know one thing if we do make the playoffs we're definitely first round exits i will admit that where if we somehow make the playoffs which we probably won't even as a wild card with a negative record like with a below 500 record we're definitely first round exits but that's just good that the giants are improving in every way possible and now we get jones back but the next game i want to talk about and i won't be talking about it for very long because it really wasn't a game was the rams versus the cowboys so the rams and the cowboys it wasn't a game because dallas ran away with the game before it even started because they were up 3-33. to 33. The Rams just did not come to play. And they ended up losing 42-20. to 20, And they just looked like they had no heart out there. And Dallas just was cooking with gas and could not be stopped. And now they have to play the Eagles this week in Philly. So we'll see how that goes. The Rams, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Dallas is just on the uprise. And I feel like this will be a really good NFC East Divisional matchup. Low-key think it should be a primetime game like it was last season. But we'll see how it goes. Next game we're going to talk about is the 49ers and the Bengals. Not too sure what's good with the 49ers right now, but they got to figure something out fast because they just went from being 5-0 and and one of only two at the time, even though they both ended up losing to no longer be undefeated teams along with the Eagles to now having three straight losses going into their bye week. I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if it's because Debo Samuel went down, but the 49ers need to figure out what's wrong and they need to figure it out quick. And with the acquisition they got on defense, I'll explain that more when I get to the stuff that happened at the deadline, including with what move the Giants made at the deadline. I think it'll help them a little bit, but they got to figure it out fast. And luckily, they're on a bye week, so they can figure it out because there's they went from being the number one team in the league to now they're starting to slip down to barely a top 10 team because now they're starting to struggle. The Bengals, however... They came off of their bye week, and I think it's just what they needed because they played really well, and I think that with them finally being on their bye, it allowed Joe Burrow to actually sit and rest his calf, so he might be one hundred. He might be playing 100% now, but obviously that's a calf injury. It's still going to always be lingering there, and the slightest thing could make him tweak it again. But I think they're in a better spot now than they were to start the season because they had that rest. So now he was able to get fully healed. And also, this is what the Bengals have been doing the last couple seasons anyway. Struggle for like the first couple games of the season. Then they start to find their rhythm. And next thing you know, they're in the playoffs. So that's how I think the game went. And it was good to see... Brock Purdy play because he did he wasn't concussion protocol but he ended up quickly clearing it and then we had um was it Sunday night we had the Bears versus the Chargers so this was a game where again 
Justin Fields was still out. But then we found out while the game was taking place that Justin Herbert is playing on a completely fractured left finger. He's probably only playing because it's not on his throwing hand. But even then, nowadays, quarterbacks, even if they have injuries on their throwing hand, still typically play. The only way they're not playing is if it's in their throwing shoulder. So this was a game where both teams desperately needed the win. Chargers needed the win. And then the Bears, they're riding with Tyson Badgett now. I think that's his name. I still don't fully know how to say his name because I keep forgetting if it's Badgett or Baggett, whatever his name is. He looks okay. And it's good that even though Fields is still struggling in his third year, he's doing a veteran move every single time the bears came off the field he sat down next to tyson and was like trying to teach him and everything and i mean the chargers still ran away with the game reason being because of keenan allen keenan allen when healthy is one of the best receivers in the game it, the only issue is the last couple seasons he can't stay on the field because he would be on the field and then mike williams would be off the field with an injury mike williams would come back from injury and then Allen would get hurt and then they both would get hurt in the same game that they're coming back in so as long as Keenan Allen stays healthy this team will do just fine I think the Bears look okay but they made a nice accusation also from Washington's defense to help their defense out so we'll see how this goes for both teams but I don't know if I like the idea of Justin Herbert playing with a completely fractured finger, even if it's not on his throwing arm or hand. And then we had the Monday night game, the Raiders versus the Lions. Lions are another team that they desperately needed a win because they were, what, 4-1 and one, or like 4-0. and oh, Then they lost. Then they won a game. Then they got then they went to Baltimore and got waxed thirty eight to six. So they needed this game. It was at home on a mon- on Monday night versus the visiting Las Vegas Raiders. And they whooped them. Amon Ross St. Brown, he was playing this game with flu like symptoms because I guess he has a sore throat and he had some other stuff going on, but he's still suited with the play and he ended up having a pretty good game. Six receptions for a hundred and eight yards. And Laporta, the rookie, he looked really good. But we have to give it up for Jameer Gibbs because Jameer Gibbs, the rookie who they drafted, who's barely been getting playing time because David Montgomery has been carrying the load. He's been stepping up ever since David Montgomery went down. This was really his breakout game, and he was showing why he should either be getting more reps split evenly with David Montgomery or why he should be the starter because he had like 168 yards or something like that and he had a touchdown and he looked really good the Lions looked good all the way around offensively defensively Raiders on the other hand they were struggling to get anything going and then Devontae Adams is pissed off on the sideline because towards the end of the game, he beat his man and then he outran the safety and he would have had an easy wide open 60 yard touchdown and Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew him because he was under pressure. And 
Devontae Adams was like pissed off. He was saying that it's effing BS on the sidelines. And he said that as he sat down and you could just tell he's fed up with the organization and doesn't want to be there anymore. But I mean, the and then this is good for the Lions too because they're going into their bye week. And they just got a major acquisition from wide receiver for for wide receiver from the Browns also. So that's a good thing for them. Now they're going into their bye week riding high with a six and two record. They have plenty of time to continue to get better during this bye week and come back ready to continue to rock and roll. So and on top of that for the Raiders, Max Crosby, he's just a dog. Like there's nothing else to say except he's a dog. So now I'm gonna give my week nine predictions before I talk about the NFL trade deadline stuff. So tomorrow night for Thursday night football, we have the Tennessee Titans visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers and for those of you who don't know, Will Levis is starting and he went absolutely ballistic in his first game on Sunday. He made DeAndre Hopkins look like DeAndre Hopkins again because he had four touchdowns, three of which were to DeAndre Hopkins and their offense just looked revitalized. They were wearing their Oilers um, jersey and it just they looked so good and will levis low-key looks like he might be their future going forward they're probably going to move off of ryan Tannehill, and i don't know if they're just going to keep malik willis because they drafted him and now he's just looking like a wasted draft pick because they had him play like one game last season and really had him run more than throw kind of like how the giants just did with tommy devito and now you go out and draft another quarterback without seeing what you actually have in Malik Willis. And Will Levis looks like this is his team now. He's going to be starting. So he looks really good. Pittsburgh, they look really good too. They're actually not a bad team this year. They look good all around and the offense is just improving. But because of how good Will Levis looks and the fact that we look, DeAndre Hopkins might be back and he even said after the game that they wrote him off and he feels like Gino with how they wrote him off but now he's back if they're gonna if Hopkins is really back I'm still picking the Titans either way but if Hopkins is really back then the rest of the league better watch out especially if Levis is going to be their future going forward but next we have one of two back-to-back Germany games this week and next week as we have the Miami Dolphins technically visiting the Kansas City Chiefs even though they're both visiting neither one of them is a home team but they're going to be in Germany for this game and I'm taking the Chiefs like yeah they lost 24 to 9 at to the Broncos in Denver but it was mainly because Mahomes played even though he had the flu Taylor Swift wasn't there because she went on tour, but Mahomes played despite having the flu, and he played really bad, but the team played really bad all around, and then the Broncos trolled them by playing Taylor Swift's music after beating them when she wasn't there, which makes me question, would they have played it anyway, even if she was there? But I'm going to take the Chiefs because I feel like 
they're going to be pissed off that they just let the Broncos beat them for the first time after dominating them the past 16 games that they played them in the division. I'm going to take the Chiefs, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins win, and I think this game will really come down to whoever gets the ball last or potentially a defensive or a special team score or it comes down to a field goal even though a field goal technically is special teams but I think this game is going to be a three-point game but I have the Chiefs winning it then we have the my the Minnesota Vikings versus the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta I'm choosing the Vikings but it sucks for them because they don't have Justin Jefferson back yet and for those of you who don't know on Sunday when Minnesota was visiting Green Bay Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles, his right Achilles, and now he's out for the year. And they just made a trade, which kind of makes me wonder what Arizona is going to do now with Arizona. But again, I'll talk about that when I get to the deadline stuff. So Kirk Cousins is out for the season. So this might any playoff chances that they had because they started 0-3 and they're 4-4 and now so that means they've only lost one game since starting 0-3 and they've won so they're 4-5 and since starting 0-3 which is pretty good and they might have a chance to make the playoffs but whatever chance they have just dwindled dramatically because of Kirk Cousins getting hurt so I think the Vikings are going to win because the Falcons don't look that good, but we'll see how the Vikings do, seeing as how they lost their star quarterback. And it sucks even more because this was it. <coughs> this was his contract year. So that means he's going to be a free agent. But Kevin McConnell already said that despite him being hurt, the plan is to try to get him to sign to stay with them going forward. So they have to hope that that's the case because I honestly think he's going to be a Viking the remainder of his career. So that's that. Chicago Bears playing in New Orleans against the Saints. I have the Saints winning that, but the Saints also are struggling. The Los Angeles Rams playing the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay. I have the Rams winning that because, like I said, the Packers haven't looked that good since starting, what was it, 1-1 one one or 2-0. and oh. Then we have... The Washington Commanders visiting the New England Patriots. And even though this game is going to be a bad game, I got the Commanders taking it because they look better than the Patriots have all season. Next, we have the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Baltimore Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens on this one, but I think it'll be a close game. Then we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Houston Texans. And I'm taking Tampa Bay for the reasons of everything that I said earlier and also because The Texans just gave the Panthers their first win. The Panthers are no longer winless, and now we have every team in the league winning at least one game, and that's embarrassing for the Texans. Next, we have the Arizona Cardinals visiting the Cleveland Browns. I have the Cleveland Browns winning this game, but on defense, the Browns look good. On offense, they still need some work done, and Watson has been kind of injury-prone this year, so... I'm still taking the Browns, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals somehow win. Then we have the Indianapolis Colts visiting the Carolina Panthers. I have the Colts winning this game, and I don't think it would be close. Now we have my Giants visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. And like I said earlier, I think my Giants are going to 
win this game, but I will talk about that in a second when I get to the trade deadline. Then we have, I have low-key have been waiting for this divisional matchup of, even though I hate both teams, I absolutely can't stand either one of them. I, it's the Dallas Cowboys visiting the Philadelphia Eagles, and I have the Eagles winning this game, but I would honestly not be shocked if Dallas wins because Dallas has the way better defense. But at the same time, I can see the Eagles winning because Dak and his inconsistency of throwing interceptions and then A.J. Brown and the Eagles and the tush pushing and this and that. So honestly, this game is just like the Dolphins and Chiefs games game for me where it's a toss up. But I'm going to ride with the Eagles. Plus, the Eagles are going to be at home for the first meeting. And then... Sunday night football, we have the Buffalo Bills visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. I have the Bengals winning this, but let's talk about it. Now, this matchup has some history to it because if you guys remember, they were playing in, was it Cincinnati? They were playing, I think, either in Cincinnati or in Buffalo on Monday night last season. It was... I believe the last Monday night game of that season before the playoffs started on January 2nd of this year. And then we all know what happened. DeMar Hamlin literally died on the field. And then at first they were going to try to just continue to play the game like nothing happened. But when something like that happens, you can't. The game was put to a stoppage and all the players and coaches and everything met in the locker room, dapped each other up. Some were crying and the game just ended with what the score was. So this game has some history. So even if DeMar doesn't play, although he's probably going to want to because this is the team he was playing when it happened, it's going to be good just to see him out there, whether he plays or not, knowing that, knowing what happened to him earlier this year. So prayers up. It's still to him, prayers up, even though he's fine now. Hopefully he can get more playing time soon, probably more so next season. And then Monday night, we have the Los Angeles Chargers versus the New York Jets. I think the New York Jets are going to win this game simply because I think the Jets just have a slightly better defense. Like, yeah, the defense on the Chargers, you have Joey Bosa, but you just traded J.C. Jackson back to New England and... Like, he was one of your best corners. So now, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But I think the Jets are going to win this game. And they're at home at MetLife. So, you never know. But now, we're... And then, um, what is it? Yeah, and then, like I said, maybe the Chargers win this game because um, Justin Herbert's finger. But at the same time... You got Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen is most likely going to be guarded by Ahmad Gar- Ahmed Gardner, a.k.a. Sauce. So he's probably going to be locked down a little bit. So you're going to have to try to rely on Mike Williams, depending on where they play Sauce. But this should be a good game, though, regardless. I just think that the Jets are going to end up winning it. So that's it for predictions as well as recap of some of the crucial games that i got the chance to watch from week eight but now we're going to talk about the nfl 
trade deadline. So a bunch of trades were made even before the deadline hit yesterday. Like a few weeks ago, the Dolphins traded for Chase Claypool from Chicago because he played a few games with Chicago and then the relationship turned sour and then they just moved on from him. And there were some other trades. But some of the bigger trades I'm going to talk about last. There was a trade that has me wondering what Arizona is doing yesterday because they traded Joshua Dobbs to the Minnesota Vikings for him to replace Kirk Cousins until he comes back. But Dobbs was already replacing the injured Kyler Murray, who, yes, Kyler Murray is back practicing now, but he's not cleared to play yet. And we don't know when he's going to play. So we're like, excuse me. We don't know who who's gonna who's on the Cardinals right now, quarterback wise, aside from Kyler Murray. So that's why that trade is a little bit baffling. I don't. I'm a little confused by that trade. Because why would you trade him when you don't have? He's already your backup, and you don't have someone to replace him. So that's one. And then this is the trade I was talking about. I like it in terms of Detroit. Detroit traded for Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns. Now, I like this trade because, one, you have to think, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's a good receiver. It's just that the Browns, they weren't really using him. Their defense is good. Their offense is good. They just can't get Watson to stay on the field because he can't stay healthy. And P.J. Walker was hit or miss. And Pete... DPJ was that missing receiver that was always lost, and he's not even a wide receiver one because you got Amari Cooper for that. So I like this trade. And then for Detroit, you got to think at receiver, they have Laporta at tight end, and then at receiver, they have Amon Ross St. Brown, and they have Joshua Reynolds. So, like, you don't have a third option, and he's a good third option. But I like this trade because. You did it at the deadline when you're on your bye week. So that means he has time to get acclimated to the team, learn the playbook, meet all his new teammates and everything and all his new coaches and staff. And there's a chance that with them being on their bye week, there's a possibility that he can play for them when they play their next game, which I think is against the Chargers once they come off their bye week. So he should be able to suit up for this game and make his debut as a Detroit Lion. So then we have the bigger trades. So the commanders, for their, I guess the commanders are basically just in give up rebuild mode because they didn't give away one. They gave away two and, in my opinion, their best two edge rushers on their team they traded away Montez Sweat to the Chicago Bears and this this helps out Chicago tremendously because they haven't had a good edge rusher really since they had Khalil Mack and now he can essentially replace Khalil Mack and he can be a good like leader to the younger guys on that defensive squad over in Chicago and this one kind of surprised me They traded Chase Young, of all the people on that team they could have traded, to the San Francisco 49ers. And this is where I feel like they did this on purpose because 
they know that in the playoffs, the Cowboys have to go through the 49ers. And obviously, with everyone in our division hating each other, except for fans of your respective teams, they basically made it harder for Dallas to do anything in the playoffs because they traded away their best asset in which Dallas only has to deal with twice a year to a team that they can't get past in the playoffs by trading Chase Young there. So I feel like maybe they did it for that reason. But two, this helps out the 49ers tremendously because, like I said, they're struggling. They're 5-3 and three now, but just three weeks ago, they were 5-0. and oh. They've lost three in a row, and now they're going on their bye week with that on their mind. And like with DPJ, Chase Young also can get acclimated to the team and everything and potentially be playing with them when they come off of their bye week and they need some defensive help because their defense is already elite as is and now you add Chase Young to it. I know it's kind of questionable because you're like, Chase Young, he's still young. He hasn't been in the league that long and he's been injury prone. But you got to think, he's still young, which means you can get high value from him and maybe you can trade him later. But he's still a young, he's still a young player with a lot of room to grow, develop, and learn. So I really like this trade, and I think it was smart because you're trading for a young player who still has a lot of value in the league and a lot of years left in him, and he was starting to be back to the way he was prior to him tearing his ACL. So he looks really good. And then we also had... I'm trying to think if there was any more trades that I'm not remembering off the top of my head aside from my Giants, but I don't remember any of them. So then we have my Giants. We traded Leonard Williams to the Seattle Seahawks for a second round pick in 2024 next year and a fifth round pick in 2025. As much as I love Leonard Williams, this trade makes sense because you have to think about it. Almost four years ago to the day, we got him from the Jets in a trade when he was on an expiring contract. And we just did the same thing. I believe we even had him franchise tagged this year on an expiring contract. And now we just traded him away to get two good draft picks for it. And on top of that, even though we're taking up most of that salary hit by having to pay him the $10 million, that's not like anything. And now he's on Seattle. And you have you can see it from Seattle's side too. They're trying to compete for they're trying to compete with the 49ers in that NFC West division. And getting a key player who's getting a little bit older but still young and a good defensive lineman who you guys really don't have and haven't had since Michael Bennett. I think this trade makes sense for both sides. What I, do I did I wish Leonard Williams stayed with us? Absolutely. I loved having Leonard Williams on the team. He was a nice partner with Dexter Lawrence, aka Sexy Dexy, but I guess we just decided to move on and from what Brian Dable said in the press conference, he said the way that it went down was Joe Shane called him. They both had a sit down. Joe Shane and Leonard Williams and they were discussing and he told them how Seattle inquired about him and they both discussed and figured it makes the most sense and then he just got traded 
So, I mean, that's fine. I think this helps out both teams. It'll help us out in the long run, and then it should hopefully help them out. For their, Hopefully for them, it helps them out, but hopefully for us, it helps us out because now we're getting a second-round pick that we probably didn't have for next year, or we have an extra second-round pick that we can use. And I know a lot of people are saying the Giants, they should have traded a Dory Jackson or Xavier McKinney. I don't see it. Like, I don't see it for a Dory Jackson because he's 28 years old. He's been injury prone and been injured pretty much in like all of the years that he's played. So I don't think anyone's going to want to take on a contract of somebody who's injury prone all the time and there's only a few teams in mind who would need a corner like that but everyone's saying the bills makes the most sense because of one the strings that joe shane and brian dable after being there for so long would be able to pull over there and also the fact that they lost Tredavious white for the year and they need a corner so they went out and traded for rasul duck Russell Douglas from the Green Bay Packers so they were looking for a corner and Xavier McKinney I don't know if anyone would want him either because he hasn't been in the league that long and established himself as a big enough name and he's done a few like immature things like when he got into an ATV accident which I guess he got into one in college or something then Last year, in the middle of the season, during the bye week, he goes and gets into another one that badly messes up his hand, and then he essentially had to miss a few games and then play the remainder of the season with a cast on his hand, and he really hasn't been the same player since that injury either. And then when we gave up 300 passing yards to the Dolphins and then 200 rushing yards, he wasn't trying to take the blame, saying it wasn't the defense's fault even though that is on the defense and he needs to be like taking more accountability for that. So I can kind of see why we didn't move on. And I'm seeing a lot of people say we should have moved Saquon, but we already said we weren't trading him and he said he doesn't want to be traded. He said he wants to build a legacy with the Giants and be a Giant for life. He's trying to do the Eli Manning once a giant only a giant which i want to keep saquon around because he's the face of the franchise and with our offense literally runs through him and without him we would be nothing we probably lose that jets game without it being close if he's not in that game carrying us to keep us in it but um that's enough of that with the trade talks so where do the and then oh yeah the last two things i want to talk about so the big news in the league today was that the raiders announced that they're gonna fire joshua josh mcdaniels and the general manager dave ziggler which has a lot of people including myself confused because you signed john gruden last year in january of 2022 and then you extend him for a six-year contract. Then after, not even, and plus on top of that, fun stat. 
Josh McDaniels now is the first ever head coach in history to be fired from a team twice or to be fired twice by a team. He wasn't fired twice by the Raiders, but he's just the first coach in NFL history to be fired twice in the middle of his second season without even getting to finish out that second season with the team. So that's a bit of history, but now you have to think about it. Since you fired him midway through this second season, now you have to pay him. You can either buy out his contract and just pay him outright, or you have to pay him the next four years. You have to pay out the remainder of his contract, which if you didn't do that, you wouldn't have to do with it. And then on top of that, you do it the day after the trade deadline. So you can't even sign anybody good. Now you move your linebackers coach, which turns out to be former Giants linebacker Antonio Pierce. You make him the interim head coach. You get an interim GM and you make the quarterbacks coach the interim or yeah, the offensive coordinator. So and it's just always the Raiders because and now Devontae Adams wants out. And instead of trading him, you go out and do this. It's always the Raiders. They've been struggling. You got John Gruden, who's out here trading Khalil Mack and all these other pieces. And then you have, I didn't mention him on the last episode, but just because I'm talking about it's always them, I'm just going to bring him up for this episode. Then you have Henry Ruggs doing what he did in 2021. So, like the Raiders, it's always down bad for them. They're always getting, like, stuff wrong with that and. Like, then you have Rich Passaccia last season after, or two seasons ago, when you get rid of Gruden, you have Rich Passaccia, a special teams coordinator, be your interim head coach, bring you to 10-7, and and bring you to the playoffs, and Max Crosby went out on record and said that that's the greatest coach he's ever had, but apparently he also said the locker room was 50-50 on it because some of half the locker room liked how he was as a coach and like how he coaches and the other half of the locker room didn't and you moved on instead of re-signing him same with Steve Wilkes from the Panthers when he was the interim head coach after you got rid of the head coach Matt Rule so like it's always the Raiders but excuse me I think the Giants will win because on top of that, you now... And then on top of that, they also announced that they're benching Jimmy Garoppolo and they're going to ride with the rookie. I don't even know his name, the rookie quarterback. So now this gives the Giants a chance to feast because you're putting a rookie quarterback out there in his first game and he doesn't even know what he's doing really like that. So I think the Giants win this game because of that. But that's it for me. And hopefully next week, Anthony can come back. But if not, we'll just continue this trend of the last month where it's just going to be me. But until next time, I'm Paul. This has been All Time Greatness. And I'll catch you guys in the next one with or without my co-host.